0: The provision of orthoses is a specialized practice within healthcare that requires collaboration among professionals for successful treatment outcomes. Although orthodists are an integral part of the rehabilitation process, the role of the orthodist may not be commonly understood or appreciated, particularly by other professionals. Among the rehabilitative healthcare team, physical therapists and orthodists are especially aligned. With overlapping roles in each profession's scope of practice. However, the provision of optimal patient management requires a clear understanding of respective roles and responsibilities of the healthcare team. Hi, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to Episode 15 of O&P Research Insights, presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetists. I'm Dr. Steve Gard, Editor-in-Chief for the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. This episode is sponsored by Ottobach. My guest today is Ms. Sally Kinworthy, MPO, CPO, LO. Ms. Kinworthy graduated from Texas A&M University with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, Giga Maggie's, before receiving her master's degree from UT Southwestern in 2011. She completed her residencies at Hanger Clinic in Houston, Texas, gaining extensive experience in pediatric orthotic management and adult stroke, TBI, and spinal cord injury management through the Texas Institute for Rehabilitation and Research Hospital. In 2016, Ms. Kinworthy had the privilege of joining the Baylor College of Medicine o program as course director for biomechanics and lower limb orthotics courses. She is currently a Ph.D. student at the University of Houston Center for Neuromotor and Biomechanics Research studying under Stacey Gorniak. Ms. Kenworthy serves as the co-chair of the Academy's Lower Limb Orthotics Society and is a member of the ONP IQ Advisory Board. She's passionate about raising awareness of the value of our contributions as CPOs in orthotics education and research. Today we will be discussing a recent article that Ms. Kenworthy published in JPO entitled Perceived Role Responsibilities Among Physical Therapists and Orthodists. Welcome to the podcast, Sally. Thanks, Steve. I'm
1: happy to be here. Well,
0: I'm pleased to have you here and discussing your article. And in fact, I want to jump right into this and ask, why does this topic interest you?
1: Yeah, I had the chance to see a lot of patients with other healthcare providers at TIER, the uh, rehabilitation hospital you mentioned here in Houston. And I just noticed that, you know, some physical therapists that I would work with, you know, I would come up to the appointment and they would want my opinion on what to do for the orthotic intervention so they kind of handed it over to me to decide what was best for the patient versus you know some other folks that i've worked with they really wanted to drive what the orthotic design was actually going to be and you know sometimes that can be kind of frustrating because here i thought wow you know i just graduated with my master's degree i know all this clinical decision making i made it through my residencies it's a hard thing to become a cpo and I kind of felt like, man, I have so much more to offer than, you know, just filling the prescription for you. So when I got to Baylor, you know, we had to develop lines of research as, you know, part of your job there. And a student, uh, a Baylor College of Medicine graduate class of 2018, uh, Ariel Reno, helped me pilot this study and come up with the questions and the categories of types of questions. We started that all the way back in 2017. Um, so that just tells you a little bit about like the timeline from piloting something to implementing, you know, a research study. And so, yeah, that that was the motivation for the study. It was like, why am I experiencing sort of these different perspectives and what I can offer as, you know, a CPO? And now I have a better understanding of why that happens. But, you know, when you're first out of school, you're like, all right, here I am. I'm ready to go. But the, the reality of that is not always what you thought it was going to be.
0: Absolutely. So what was the purpose of your particular study?
1: So we just wanted to survey people that typically serve on the interprofessional team and figure out, you know, what barriers are there to communication? Do we understand what each other does? What's the perceived involvement in the healthcare team of all of the different members? So we wanted to just describe it. That's all we were trying to do is, hey, how do people feel about working with orthotists? What do they think that we do? How do they value that and just describe it because it's not enough to have an anecdotal experience and then build something off of that. We wanted to first describe some of the issues within the interprofessional team before we tried to do
0: something about it. And what were your hypotheses or expectations for the study itself? For this study, we specifically focused on the part of our
1: survey that looked at roles and responsibilities for each member of the healthcare team. And so what we expected to find is that several respondents would not fully understand what the
0: role of the orthotist was. So, would you please describe the experimental protocol for your study?
1: Yeah. So, this was just a survey study. So, it's technically cross-sectional. So, we didn't do anything, any measurements over time or anything like that. Um, But we had a lot of questions that ranged from, how do you value other members of the healthcare team? How much education do you have in terms of demographics? Like, how many years have you been practicing? Do you have any specialties, stuff like that? Um, and so we developed this survey. It was fairly short, but we did have a main question, which was this basically matrix of checkboxes. And, and the main question was, you know, which members of the healthcare team are responsible for any of the given tasks? And so we looked at six specific tasks that were well within the scope of practice for a CPO. And the question basically said, okay. For example, one of the tasks was perform manual muscle testing and range of motion measurement. And then the respondent had the option to select either physician, PT, orthotist, PA. And I think that that was it actually. And they could select more than one profession. So they didn't have to just choose like the main person responsible, but they had to choose the one for that task. They could choose one or any of those professions as someone who's partially responsible. And we distributed that survey uh, via snowball sampling. So what we did was it's like, hey, I just reached out to people that I knew and said, would you mind filling out this survey? And if you have any colleagues in, in your office, like please send it to them as well. Um, so that's what snowball sampling is. There's some benefits and drawbacks to that, obviously. But that was the best way I knew how at the time to get a decent response rate.
0: So your research participants included both orthodists and Physical therapists and any other groups?
1: Yeah, we expanded the sampling out to physicians and PAs as well, just because the physician assistant, we wanted to do that because the, the physician assistant program is within the Baylor College of Medicine School of Health Professions. Um, and so they have some exposure to ONP based on interprofessional education at the school. Um, but yeah, so we have basically each one of those professions is serving as its own branch of this existing study that we're talking about today. So how
0: many research participants did you enroll in your study?
1: So we ended up with about 70 CPOs and 70 PTs. Um, I think it was 72 and 74, something like that. Um, and we wanted to look at how each group responded to that roles and responsibilities question. The The question, just so that folks know what all the tasks were, there were six tasks overall that people could choose a profession that was partially responsible for perform manual muscle testing and range of motion measurement, recommend a patient-specific orthosis, fabricate an orthosis, perform gait analysis, check fit and function of an orthosis, and develop patient-specific goals.
0: And so what were the primary findings of your investigation?
1: Well, we found that most respondents agreed that, yes, an orthotist is one of the people that's responsible for checking proper fit and function of an orthosis, fabricating an orthosis, and recommending a patient-specific orthosis. So that means that the way that we did it was we we took a single response, and if someone included orthotist, so they could have said PT, physician, and orthotist, and if orthotist was included for that task, we basically recoded that data as, yes, these people include orthotists as someone who's partially responsible for this specific task. And so we did find that most people Yes, they did include orthotist as one of the people. And I want to be clear that they didn't necessarily say we're the only person responsible. We were just one of like a few people within the healthcare team that were identified as being responsible. So for three of those tasks, so checking proper fit and function, fabricating an orthosis, and recommending a patient-specific orthosis, they said, yes, an orthotist is partially responsible for this. But when it came to the other three tasks, which were performing manual muscle testing and range of motion measurement, performing gait analysis, and developing patient-specific goals. The groups answered differently. So physical therapists and CPOs answered yes or no to those questions differently. And that was a really
0: interesting finding. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Ottobock.
1: Grow into the cranial orthoses market with Microband. The innovative, customized, low-profile design makes the Microband a unique alternative to dated foam helmets. Each band is uniquely designed using an objective 3D model of a child's exact cranial structure and state-of-the-art 3D printing technology. With precise scanning and fitting procedures, your patient's band is perfectly configured with no time wasted for foam modifications. Be the best treatment provider with the smartest cranial remolding orthosis on the market.
0: Let's return back to your expectations for what you thought the outcomes were going to be. Were those met or did you find something different?
1: Yeah, so I guess I wasn't surprised at that some physical therapists didn't necessarily put manual muscle testing, range of motion, and gait analysis in our scope of practice. I wasn't necessarily surprised by that because that that was sort of what I experienced was when I was working with other healthcare professionals, I kind of assumed that they knew how I would go about making my clinical decisions, but they really didn't. You know, there's not a packaged answer based on diagnosis or based on any one specific thing, but we use like a combination of all these things to come up with an orthotic recommendation that we hope is meeting the patient's goals and the rehab team goals. So I wasn't necessarily surprised by that. But I was surprised at some of the responses from CPOs in terms of what they viewed as their own responsibility within these tasks. That was very interesting.
0: And I'm just curious, in terms of the responses that you received, did you see any differentiation of expectations for an orthodist role based upon age?
1: So we didn't really have, because we had so many different age groups in the study, we didn't have a large enough sample size to answer that question. So we didn't look at it. And interestingly enough, our age demographic was mostly people with like, zero to five years of experience or one to five years of experience. And then over 20 years, we had very few people that responded to our survey that had 15 years of experience. So we got like brand new people and folks that had extensive experience. So it didn't quite seem like we'd collected enough data to answer that question well enough.
0: And you mentioned you were kind of surprised by um, some of the uh, outcomes in an earlier Uh, Were there any other unanticipated surprises in your findings? And if so, can you explain them?
1: So there were two really interesting findings that kind of surprised me. When it came to the physical therapist responses, they basically said, you know, yes, orthotists are included for checking for fit and function of an orthosis, fabricating an orthosis, and recommending a patient-specific orthosis, which to me, that's sort of the One of like the pinnacle things that we do is like, there is a person there and I'm going to recommend something that serves them well, but they didn't include the tasks that we typically use to inform that patient specific orthosis. So we do use manual muscle testing and range of motion, observational gait analysis and developing patient specific goals. Like we use that information to actually come up with our orthotic design. So i thought that that totally surprised me and it basically told me that okay so i don't think that at least for our sample there may be an issue with people really understanding how we make our clinical decisions and how we use similar tasks that physical therapists perform to inform our orthotic decision making so that that was really surprising to me that a pt would say yes of course an orthotist recommends a patient-specific orthosis but they didn't include all the things that we typically use to inform that decision.
0: And so I'm curious, Sally, uh, what solutions would you propose for increasing the mutual understanding between orthodists and physical therapists about their professional roles in the treatment of patients?
1: Yeah, so that kind of brings me, to to the other surprising finding. All of these six tasks that I included in this question were, in my mind, well within the ABC described, you know, scope of practice for a CPO. So you would expect that 100% of CPO respondents would have chosen themselves, would, would have chosen orthotist as a person who is going to complete these tasks. But we actually didn't have 100% like agreement in that area for every one of those tasks. So I think one thing that could help interprofessionally is actually first starting within our profession and sort of really clarifying well, what is our professional role? What is our professional identity? And how is that generally expressed, like across different regions of the country or something like that? I thought that for sure, like, all the orthotists will select manual muscle testing, range of motion, gait analysis. There should be 100% responses in terms of people who included orthotists as responsible, but there wasn't. So I think that's one thing is maybe there's some discourse within the profession as to like what we even expect of ourselves as members of the healthcare team. And then in the future, you know, I think an interprofessional education event where physical therapists and orthotists and PM&R doctors or anyone who might see an O&P patient, I imagine an interprofessional event where there's case studies. But I think it's really important that we remember that most people don't actually work With a team who's physically there so there's all of these other barriers and that's where i think knowledge of role awareness and our scopes of practice of different professions is really important because most of the time you know until i got to tier hospital most of the time i was just making phone calls to doctors and physical therapists you know they weren't just down the hall for me to run and go clarify something most patients i didn't get to see with another healthcare professional in the room And so I think really targeting interprofessional education with the assumption that you will not physically be together could be a really meaningful way to clarify like how each profession is making clinical decisions and how those might affect other people
0: as well. Very nice. And that takes me uh, nicely to my next question here, which are, uh, what are the main clinical takeaways from your study?
1: Yeah, I think don't ever be afraid to explain to people why you're doing what you're doing. I think that it's important for them to understand that even if it looks like we just look at a patient and quickly do an evaluation and then have a recommendation, there is a lot of thought, there should be a lot of thought that's going into the orthotic recommendation. So I I mean I'm an educator, so I feel obligated to as well. If I have an opportunity to give a presentation to anyone outside of ONP, I always started off with, let me tell you a little bit about what is the journey to become a certified prosthetist orthotist and what what can you generally expect from the modern day practitioner, right? And so Mm -hmm. I always have people who, you know, they get really big eyes when I tell them like, it takes like six to eight years sometimes to become a CPO. They're like, what? I said, yes, it's a master's degree. We do clinical residencies. We have really rigorous board exams. So just don't be afraid to increase awareness of ONP as a profession, I think that's probably the bigger issue that I know we're all trying to tackle right now is how do we just let people even know that we're here to begin with before we even start thinking about, we want to get people to understand what we do. And some people don't even know that we're here treating patients. So it can start with awareness. But I think that's my main clinical takeaway is like, just don't be afraid to talk about who we are,
0: how you make your clinical decisions and what you can offer. Thank you for that, Sally. Now, in terms of conducting the study itself, did you encounter any notable problems in the course of the study? And if so, what would you have done differently?
1: So this is one of the first studies I ever did as a little baby scientist, you know? And so, of course, I want to change a lot of things. I think it's important to understand that the sampling technique that we did is a limitation of the study. So if you're looking at people who have, uh, if you're looking at interprofessional roles, and I'm asking A PT friend of mine to distribute a survey she knows what I do just by the nature of the fact that we're friends right so she has a greater awareness and so um, I think that that's a limitation so I might have changed our sampling approach but it did work out pretty well again because I was a little budding scientist I didn't appreciate how much my own perspective and experience were really like biasing the survey so I mostly did it from the perspective of an orthotist and from the perspective, uh, not necessarily the perspective of the orthotist, but more so the perspective of the PT about what orthotists do and not the reciprocal of that. So I didn't have any questions in the survey about from orthotists about what what are the responsibilities for the physical therapist? And I wish I had included more tasks that worked within our scope of practice, but were within PT scope of practice to get a much richer description of really how interprofessionally, these things are playing out. So yeah, those are a couple of things that I would change for sure.
0: And in fact, I was going to ask you next, do you have any recommendations for future research directions based on your study?
1: Yeah, so I want to know why some people have more awareness of what we do than others. I want to know what actually helps us get a better seat at the quote table of the healthcare team as a professional and not just a vendor or supplier or something like that, you know, what is it that helps us get a seat at the table so that we can, um, because I think we have so much to offer in terms of helping people with rehabilitative solutions and things like that. So we actually did a follow-up study with an analysis on some of the questions we had in the survey asked people about what's your experience been collaborating with orthotists? Have you found it to be valuable? What's the perceived skill level of an orthotist? And a faculty member uh, that I work with and I, uh, that's Megan Gwan, at BCM, she and I looked at these value variables and what other variables in the survey were associated with a higher perceived value of orthotists. What we found was actually that the higher the amount of mutual goal setting contact that happened between PTs and CPOs increased the perceived value of the orthotist as a member of the healthcare team. So I think That's been like a really interesting finding as well, that, you know, if you can go to another healthcare professional and have a detailed conversation about what are your goals? What are the patient's goals? How can we all work together? That seems to actually make a big difference in how we're perceived. So yeah, I think those types of future directions would be great. You know, is interprofessional education effective at solving this problem? And yeah, what other things can we do as a profession to get a louder voice out there as a member of the healthcare
0: team. Excellent advice. Thank you, Sally. I always like to conclude my interviews by asking if you'd like to acknowledge any funding you received to conduct this study.
1: No, I didn't receive any funding, but I would love to acknowledge Andrew Reed, who is a Baylor College of Medicine graduate from the class of 2020, who mm-hmm. took Ariel Reno's pilot and distributed it along with his classmate, Tara Roy. All of us did a lot of work to get the snowball sampling done and do the analysis and write up the manuscript. So I just want to make sure that they're credited appropriately.
0: Thank you for doing that. Very nice study. Thank you so much. We've come to the end of our podcast, so I would like to thank Ms. Kenworthy for sharing her insights and discussing her research with us today. I'd like to remind everyone that if you'd like additional information on this project, you can access the full article about this study in the Journal of Prosthetics and Orthotics. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of o Research Insights, presented by the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetists. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, Ottobock. For more information, visit their website at shop.autobach.us. and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please plan to join us again next month for the Academy's o p Research Insights podcast when we'll be hosting another author and discussing their recent JPO article. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for o p professionals, o p Clinical Insiders, a podcast created for conversations on specific areas of clinical care, and o p Rising, a podcast created for emerging professionals in our industry.